when doctors or anyone all try to say how's the how's the uh, bad knee doing like how's your good knee the good knee feels good but how's the bad knee doing and i told him don't ever call anything on me bad i got a great knee and i got a good knee now i'm trying to get my good knee back to great that's it this is mason robinson former nfl football player and owner of shock the world and you're listening to the heads and tails podcast welcome back to the heads and tails podcast I'm your host, Kevin Som, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete's story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports, health, and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life, but you can always control how you respond. This is my response, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. All right, welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. Today we have uh, Mason Robinson. He's a he was a six year senior captain at Rutgers. He played running back. He was a punt returner, wide receiver, cornerback, pretty much any skill position you could really think of. Uh, he did it. He also spent some time with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and uh, with the New York Jets. And yeah. now he actually owns a a training company, athletic training company called Shock the World. Yes. And I don't know if you've seen it, see any of his videos, but they're pretty cool and it's inspirational. And he still got it. He still got that that quick step going for him. So, uh, Mace, thanks for coming here today and uh Thank taking you the for time having me. yeah to do the interview and you know, well basically the, the the real reason why we we had you on here too is because mason also suffered from or the reason why he was a six-year senior is because he had you know two pretty serious knee injuries so he's going to talk about how he overcame those and still went and, and ran a what four three forty one 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 of them yeah, four the, two seven at the pro day it was a four three five then at a, a tryout it was a four two seven all right cool so let's yeah. start off by just talking about what sports you played growing up and and stuff like that um well organized sports i played football basketball baseball track uh wrestling um pretty much anything i could get my hands on i played outdoors with friends okay yeah so. uh but football stuck out for you more than others or Actually, yeah, football was – that was my love. That was my favorite. Um, baseball, that was a very close second. Okay. But um, as I got into high school, I, I decided to do track for one season. I figured I, w- I would do track for one season. You're like, I'm pretty fast. I'm probably pretty good at this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> then I would go back over to baseball. But I fell in love with track, and, and I kind of stepped away from baseball a little bit. All so. Right. Um, so what injuries did you suffer from, you know, prior to getting to Rutgers and suffering those two ACL injuries? Um, nothing serious, just a few hamstring tweaks and, um, you know, sprained ankles and stuff like that, but nothing out of the ordinary. Okay. Other than that, yeah. Um, all right, so were there any athletes that you looked up to growing up or anything like that? Um, well, one of my favorite athlete growing up, I was a big Michigan fan as a kid. So my favorite athlete growing up was Charles Woodson. Okay. Um, and I was also a big Cowboys fan. So I loved watching Deion Sanders, Emmitt Smith, and those guys. So. so what was it about those guys that you, you looked up to? And did you try to emulate them on the field? or? Absolutely. Um, uh, I, I tried to keep my own style on the field. But the one thing that I, I saw coming from them is that they were having fun. They enjoyed the game. And you can tell they put the work in off the field. So when they were on the field, it just came naturally. It seemed like their game was flawless. And anything you asked them to do, they could do. So they were well, well-rounded well players, well-rounded athletes. All right, cool, dude. So let's talk about getting recruited by Rutgers. Like what other schools were looking at you? Why did you choose Rutgers and Coach Yano? Um, well, had a few other schools to name a few. Um, Iowa, Boston College, uh, Temple, um, Michigan State, uh, Minnesota, Colorado, f- to name a few, uh, Maryland. But um, it came down to uh, – 
uh, I was getting ready to go on a um, official visit with Boston College, okay. and the coach at the time, Tom O'Brien, he took the job at at uh, North Carolina State. So then, instead of going on that recruiting trip, I took the trip to Rutgers. Now, prior to that, I did take an official visit to Michigan State, and I loved it. But then the coach got fired, so that kind of ruled him out. And when Coach O'Brien took the job at NC State, gotcha. Um, it kind of ruled out uh, Boston College. So um, Rutgers, when I when I went. I just fell in love with it. Just um, and that was when Ray Rice was there. And stuff. Ray, Ray uh, Brian Leonard was there. The McCourty twins. Everybody was there, and uh, just the way that they treated uh, treated all of us. Now I was on the recruiting trip with Anthony Davis, so we all we all hit it off, and and the guys weren't big shots at all. They were they were great people. Same with Coach Chiano. Um, the way they took my family in, they were just extremely great people. So. Um, it, it was a, in my opinion, it was a, it was a perfect fit at the time. Yeah, and they they saw you being Ray Rice's like protege, right? Right, coming in. Yeah. Um, what were some of like your high school stats? Like, were you all state? Or did you rush for a thousand yards? Like, what were, what made you a big deal to have all those schools? Um, <laughs> you can brag about yourself a little bit. Um, well, I actually started getting my scholarships off of my sophomore season. Okay. And um, that's why I tell kids and and how I, I become an inspiration to kids that aren't really playing and um, how I like to motivate kids is I was a third string running back when I got my first scholarship. I was a third string running back. And whenever I got in, I just made the most of it. When they put me back at kick return, I took, took uh kickoffs back to the house. I was, I showed off my speed. When I got in the game, I would break long runs. Um, and then I played on defense. I had a few interceptions, uh, stepped up big with some big tackles, but, um, yeah, it was just being prepared for the moment as a sophomore. Then my sophomore year going in the track, actually uh, won the state championship for group two in the 100-meter dash. So when college coaches saw that, they kind of took more of a look at me. Right, so, this kid's an athlete. Like, he could uh... – Absolutely. Um, but and I didn't even, I didn't rush for 1,000 yards as a sophomore. I didn't do anything spectacular. I, I may, maybe have made all conference and all uh, – maybe all county. But um, I didn't really make all state until senior year, okay. um, first team at least. Uh, and junior year, I made uh, – both years I rushed for 1,000 yards. Um, s- senior year is probably my biggest year. Um, and But you're saying that you had the offers even before any of that. So yeah, I had the offers. To so make before. the most of your opportunity when you're given right. and be and, ready for it. Absolutely. And then senior year, um, I actually won to meet a champions for uh, the 100-meter dash. Ran uh, ten five one, automatic and ten two handheld. So that kind of that that bought that bought more spark from other teams. But I was already committed at that time to Rutgers. So, okay, yeah. cool man. That they got you early. Yeah. Uh, all right. You want to talk about the transition to college football? Like, what was it when you came to the first practice at Rutgers? Where you're like, holy crap, what the hell did I get into? Yeah. Or um, it you, was. Did you feel at home? Um, it, it was an eye opener. It was eye opener because you're in high school. You're the guy. Um, and usually, and like I tell a lot of high school players, is when you step on the field in high school, um, on your team it may be you who's really good and maybe another guy who's who's pretty good. And then based on the level, the more players you have, the more of a chance you have of having better players. But when you play against the other team, you may have on the other team, they may have one one really good player, maybe not as good as you, but he's really good that as long as you can minimize him, you can have a big game. Right. Or or they may have two or three, but as long as you minimize those three, you can have a, a fairly good game. In college, you're getting great athletes at every position, more progressed than high school players. So when I walked in to Rutgers at, uh, and did the summer workouts, I was I was, I was was fine. I was doing the 7-on-7s um, and – 
I felt fast. I felt good. It was just once the practices came, it wasn't like the hits were harder. Uh, I, they were harder, but I, I was expecting harder hits. I was more prepared for it. Um, but it was the speed of the game, the speed being the – come the, from someone who's probably one of the fastest people out there. <laughs> right. That, that's saying something. <laughs> yeah, it was it was the speed mentally, really. It was um, be, because if you're out there thinking – your four three, your four four turns into a four six four seven. If right. you're out there playing it and just letting it flow, your your four seven could turn into a four five. Um, so uh, that was the biggest curve. It's just learning how to study film, learning how um, the extra work that goes into it. You just can't show up and outperform everyone. Right. Um, and and even for me, like uh, that would tell a lot of kids, it's okay to to come in and, and be a backup because you get to learn a little bit. You get to learn. Um, not saying that I wasn't ready to play and not saying that the other kids aren't ready to play, but take that time. If you're a backup or if you're being redshirted, take that time to learn. Don't don't look at that time as like, oh, coach don't like me or yeah. or sulk around about it. Right, exactly. Like everybody everybody that's a true freshman true freshman doesn't always make it. Some of the best players out there wind up are redshirted. So take make the most of every single day. Um it, it's different. It's different, uh the the practices, coach um, that's that's one of the bigger differences too. Coach is telling you how good you are when he's recruiting you, but yeah. the moment you get in there, you screw up. Coach is in your face, and you're like, I don't even know this guy. But coach, I thought you said I was good. <laughs> hey, who is this guy? Yeah, he was different, right? Yeah, that's funny. So before we get into the injuries that you suffered at, at Rutgers, mm-hmm. you talked about this flow state and getting in this flow state mm-hmm. um, and not thinking about. It. You said like, you know, you could have a four seven forty or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Either way, you're going slower because you're thinking. Right. How how did you get into that flow state? Like, did you have any t- – did you listen to, like, certain music? Did you listen – you know, what, like, got you into that flow state when when you were, in, you know, in high school or college and in the pros? It changed. It changed a little bit. Um, what got me into that flow state was to be more patient. Okay. When you're trying to go so fast and 100,000 miles per hour, things – you make things move faster than what they really are. Okay. And – the biggest thing for me was once I started watching film, um, that's when I started getting an edge on other players that weren't doing it because now the game is slowed down because I knew what was coming. I studied formations. Uh, I saw based on as a cornerback, um, based on how the running back was lined up, I can tell what the receivers were doing. Right. Um, as a as a running back, based on how the line was lined up, I can tell what the linebackers are going to do. I can tell what the safeties are going to do. So, and then once I cross over to the defensive side, I already had the offensive mindset. So I, I you knew I, what they were going to do exactly. I can see how the tight end is uh, set up, and I could tell I could tell what the rest of the play is going to be. So my transi- my transition into the NFL, I feel like the NFL actually moved a little bit slower than it moved in college. Okay. And not because not, not because I'm saying it moved slower. Like, it probably was the same exact speed. It probably was even faster, but it just slowed down because I know the other guys that were out there, I don't know what they were doing, but I know me. I was more prepared because I watched the film. Yeah, and plus, like, you were more mature at this point. Like, Absolutely. your transition from high school to college, mm-hmm. you know, was probably much different than your transition to college to the pros just because of your Absolutely. maturity level. Cool. Absolutely. All right, so let's get into your your injuries that you suffered at Rutgers. So mm-hmm. when did you when did you suffer the the first ACL injury, and when did you like and how did it happen, and like what were your thoughts and stuff? Um, I suffered uh, my junior year, first game, first carry of my junior year, uh, two thousand nine. Um, I was I was excited about this season. Um, I was looking forward to the season, the upcoming season. We just opened a new stadium at Rutgers, so I, I wanted to put on a show for the fans. Um, 
And I, at this point, I was a hybrid between receiver and running back. And I was I played at receiver, but they would move me to running back on certain plays. And the one play, I got the ball, and I saw nothing but daylight. And I knew with my speed, one cut, and I was it, it could have been a big run. If this not is a, a game practice? This is a game okay. against Cincinnati. And I saw I saw one guy, and I gave him a move, and I, I put my foot into the ground. I felt my leg buckle. I felt my leg buckle, and then I kept running. I kept running, and then eventually was tackled. But I knew like something was up after after my knee buckled because now that daylight, obviously in college, it, it closed pretty quickly. But I knew you if thought I, you could have got through. I there. knew I would have been able to if if I didn't if my knee didn't buckle. Um, and once I got tackled, usually the coaches tell you to stay down, but I didn't want to stay down. I just wasn't used to it. I never got, I never had an injury like this before. And instead of staying down, I ran off the field, which is probably, it's probably one of the worst things you could do. Not as far as your ACL or anything like that, but as far as a team, it throws a coach off. Um, but then when I once I got to the right, sideline, right, doesn't give them time to find a make, replacement or exactly, whatever. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So. Um, as I got to the sideline, I tried to stay warm, stayed on the bike, tried to keep moving around. The coach kept asking if I was good to go back in. I felt like I was good to go back in. I was just going to find a way to push through it. Um, they wrapped my knee up pretty good. Um, then at halftime, I took a shot to try to numb it. And then when I came out from halftime, I tried to go back in the game on a kickoff. And my knee, I hit a guy and my knee buckled again and I fell. And then um, I still felt like maybe my knee was just weak. I didn't think anything of it. But um, the next day, uh, I tried to get out of bed and tried to walk downstairs. And as the moment I stepped, like I stood up off the bed, I just collapsed back on the bed. Something was wrong. It was in so much pain. Something was wrong. Then I mustered up the uh, strength to to walk to uh, walk down the stairs and then get in the car and drive uh, to the football building. And I went out to practice. Uh, or I went to the trainers, got treatment. I went out to practice. I ran around a little bit, still didn't feel right. Then they went to take some of the – they thought there may have been fluids. Well, it was swollen, so they tried to take some of the fluids. And instead of the fluids coming out like a pussy, yellowish, clearish color – That's supposed to happen? That's supposed to – when okay. they tried to take out some of the fluids, instead of that, blood came out. So they knew something was wrong. I didn't. They didn't tell me at the time, but they knew something was wrong. And then – I went and got the MRI, and it came back that it was a torn ACL, but I didn't feel like it was a torn ACL, though. I just felt like my knee was really sore. Um, I was still able to squat. I was still able to run. I was still able to do a lot of things that what I thought of as a uh, – when I heard of pe people tearing their ACL, I thought you shouldn't be able to do these things, and I was doing it, so I felt like – Right, so yeah. what was, like, the prognosis? They found out you, that you tore your ACL – and then, then what? They're like, you're gonna get surgery tomorrow, or <laughs> nah? It was actually, it was actually pretty funny, but kind of sad because the doctor he was going over my uh, MRI results and everything, and he's like, you got some swollen here, so some swelling here, you got this, that, there. Your, your ACL's torn, but you got some more swelling over. Here. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, you're my ACL. <laughs> <laughs> Don't just bypass that. Like he didn't <laughs> just say my ACL is torn. Um, but yeah, they gave it some time for the swelling to go down. Um, and, and I did rehab, then I had surgery a couple weeks later, once the swelling went down, it makes it easier on the surgeon. And then I just, as soon as it happened, I just told myself, I didn't want to think of myself as injured, but like now this is an opportunity to show what I'm truly made of. Right. Um, the first, the first ACL, since I've never been injured, I did, I would say, will admit that 
I was in a dark state. I was in a dark state. Um, fight. I had to fight depression. I've never been this way. Yeah, can you um, kind of you know delve into that? Because you know part of what this podcast is about is to help athletes who are at that low point. You know, mm-hmm. to, to know that you can you know get out on the other side. That's why I like your story because you you, you tore your ACL twice, but you're still running four three forty. Made it to the NFL. Like that's you know people people dream about that. So can you kind of talk about that that dark point and kind of how you got out of it? Absolutely. Um, so in a dark point. Uh, when I came out of football games prior to the ACL tear, I would come out and uh, we had to turn our phone off before the games. But when I turned my phone back on, my phone would just buzz and buzz and buzz because hundreds and hundreds of text messages would come through. Oh, I saw you playing the Mace, game. Yeah, Great you job. did an awesome yeah. job. Yeah. Absolutely. And those we te- love you, Mason. Absolutely. <laughs> and those texts stopped. And he stopped, and nobody, the, the people that were reaching out before weren't reaching out anymore. And um, the only people that were in my corner was my mom um, and, and family. But the, the other people who I, was, who I thought really, like, cared about me, they weren't reaching out anymore. They weren't. And I, I would sit in my room, the TV one beyond, um, like, and I tried to find other things to cope with. I wasn't, I'm not big on drinking. I never drank. I never did drugs. So I didn't do that. That's not what I would turn to. But. The one thing that I could turn to when a lot of things in life were were um, going against me or, or were trying to hold me down, I felt like, um, was football. I could always turn to football, but now I couldn't you turn to football. That, right? I didn't have that. So, um, and I would try to put on a front when I went out. Like, when I went into the football building or around other people, I would smile. Like, hey, like everything was really good when it really wasn't. Um, then... Like, I, I was on academic probation. It was the worst. Like, I, I've been an honor roll, high honor roll student all throughout high school. Right. Um, dean's list uh, student in college. Um, and I even graduated with my, ma- with my master's with a 3.75. So, wow, dude. Yeah, that's incredible. But, like, at this, I was just at a dark state, bro. And, and um, I, I didn't see how I was going to get I, – I was just not blaming God, but just wondering why. Like, why me? Um and how I how how I battled back was once I got the email that I was on academic probation, and um, after all like the questions stopped and and all that stuff in my own head, and I got past the point that people have given up on me and all that stuff. Um, I told myself what was going to happen, not what I, I hope happens. I told myself what was going to happen. I'm going to come back this. I'm going to be the best football player that I can be. I'm going to be even faster. I'm going to be more flexible. My knee is going to look like to other people that I've never been injured before. I'm going to get on the dean's list and stay on the dean's list. I told, my every, I told myself everything. I made dream posters um, where a lot of people, once you tear your ACLs, like the, the NFL is out of the question. So I made myself dream posters of where I was going to make it. It wasn't like I dreamt about this as, since a little kid. Never said that there wasn't going to be adversity. Never said it was going to be easy. So this is the part that's not easy. So how do I find a way to overcome this? And it was never like when doctors or anyone try to say, how's the how's the uh, bad knee doing? Like, how's your good knee? The good knee feels good. But how's the bad knee doing? And I told him, don't ever call anything on me bad. I got a great knee and I got a good knee now. I'm trying to get my good knee back to great. That's it. That's awesome. So, dude. so it, it's all about. It was my mentality, man. I just every single day I attacked it. I attacked it and went after. It. And the one thing it, it might be funny, but I saw guys that tore the ACL and they would lose flexibility. But I wanted to at least get my heel back to my butt again. Um, and I wanted to be able to run and feel explosive again and feel that um, like when I used to get on the track or when I um, used to get on the football field. Prior to that point, I felt like I was in so much control because I had my speed. And now I wanted to get that feeling of having control back again. So. Right. 
Can you talk about the the dream poster again? Like, what exactly was on your dream poster, and like, where did you hang that poster, or like, mm-hmm. when when did you look at? Because obviously, you wanted to keep filling your brain with these good thoughts and right. stuff, and like keep thinking positive. So, like, can you just give us a, an example of some of the stuff that was on this poster, and like where you put it every day to see it all the time? All right. So I had three posters. I had three posters. Um, no, I had four posters. I, I I did a lot of a lot of stuff with posters. One poster had my goals. One poster was a dream poster. One poster said, "If a man doesn't work, he shall not eat." Another poster had quotes from my favorite, like from Muhammad Ali, from Mike Tyson, from Emma Smith, from Michael Jordan, from Bruce Lee, from all the greats. It had quotes, and then I would add some of my own quotes. But on this dream poster, I pretty much broke down who, what, when, where, why, how. And and I said who and I I wrote it out even though it may sound dumb I wrote my own name I wrote Mason Robinson I said uh, when and I put when my draft date will be um, then I put uh, where and I put a picture of all NFL teams all their logos and I said anywhere any team it doesn't matter and um and, and then I said uh, who what when or what was the goal right. to make it to the NFL. Um, to hear my name called on draft day, which didn't happen, but that's okay. You got close though. Um, got close. Um, then it was, then then the why came, and then the why is what pushed me. The why and the how, how I was gonna do it. So my training that I did now, it wasn't just train harder. It was attack it. It was attack it. Own it. Own it. This is me. I, you got to be a different breed of a person now. You're cut from a different cloth. Um, so when I put why, I had this thing that I, that I wrote on the posters, um, S-O-T-B-A. Okay. So, and... Satpa. Satpa, <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, and I was actually going to get it tattooed on me, but I decided against it because I don't have any tattoos and I didn't want to mark up my body. So, but it was straight out of the basement slash straight out of the attic. And the reason why I put it is because at the time my dad was living in the basement and my mom was living in the attic. So I said, yo, no, there, I got to do something. So, so to sit here and soak about any injury, I can't do that, man. So I got to do something. And the fact that I would go and see them and my dad's sleeping in the basement and is not in the best of conditions, I wasn't with that. You know, like, um, and I told myself, if I, if I, Mason Robinson, was to give up at this point, every kid, that looks up to me never mind my kids my nieces my nephews but every kid from my hometown every kid out there in the world that will get to know who I am one day um they will I I never want to give them an excuse to ever say that since Mason Robinson gave up I can give up too right since Mason Robinson quit I can quit too so they can never use that excuse I wasn't going to allow it so now it, it told myself it's bigger than me it's bigger so every day I wake up man if you ain't if you ain't willing to work you you don't deserve to eat, you know, and and you look at these quotes and you make up your own quotes. And it's just like you got to demand excellence every single day. And when you're looking at that dream poster, it's like, why not me? You know, why can't I be the one that does this? And yeah. if not me, then who? And right. if not now, then when? Awesome, so, dude. Yeah. Um, so did you like talk to anyone during this point in time, like a sports psychologist? Like how did the team kind of handle, you know, Injured players, like you know, they're. I know, I know, Coach Yon always have you guys like suit up at practice, even though you couldn't, you know, mm-hmm. practice and stuff. But like, how did the what resources did they give you to help cope with this, or was this pretty much all on you? Um, 
I wouldn't say it was all on you. I mean, there were people there if you if you needed to talk, but sometimes as an athlete, you feel so invincible that you don't. Uh, I don't need to talk to anybody. I don't. I don't want to talk to anybody. You know, because right. you don't ever. You don't ever want. Yeah, you want to be a tough guy or think exactly. you're weak or something. You yeah. don't ever want people to think that you're in a vulnerable state. You don't ever want to feel like you're putting yourself in a vulnerable state where people get to know the the real what's really going on. Um, and you don't want people to feel sorry for you. Um, but during the injured lifts, you get to you get to hang out with other guys that are injured, and those guys are and and we're all pushing one another. Like we're all we're all going through some type of injury, and we all push one another to get back, and we're all motivating each other. And and these guys aren't like bad players. These are some of the star players that that are motivating one another. So that kind of helped the process as well um, to to keep fighting and keep pushing. So all right, cool. All right, so you recover from this ACL injury, mm-hmm. and then you come back. Right. So what was it like when you first came back? Were you a little hesitant to make that cut again, or were you you know, confident in, in your abilities because you, you put the work in? Um, yeah, I was. I actually was a little hesitant, not going not gonna to lie. But um, – or no, 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 no. When the pass came on, I was a little hesitant. But the one thing that Coach Shiano didn't know, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have told him at the time, was with this ACL – recovery um i was actually doing stuff i wasn't supposed to be doing so i was running on it before i was supposed to be running on it um i was out playing backyard football at home before i was supposed to be playing on it and i felt extremely good like i felt like my knee felt so good it's just once the pad strapped up after taking that first hit then i was like all right i'm good but then as i was practicing um i went to i went to make that same type of cut and it buckled again and I dropped again, and I was like, "No, nah, man!" And and the pain came back, like right. the pain came back, and I was like, "No, nah, man!" Like, no, we we didn't do this again, we didn't do it again. And um, Coach Yano came up to me, he um, asked me if I was okay. I told him, "Yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine." I got up, started walking, had a little little bit of a limp, but then I jogged, and then I continued back with practice, and I was fine. And that that scare never really happened again. Okay. Um, I mean, it happened later on down the line, but. The strength started coming back. I started feeling good. And then eventually I came out of the brace, which was like, it was like little goals I set for myself. Get out of the brace and then get out of the knee sleeve and just go back to So what's I'm... like the protocol with the, the knee brace and ACL? It's like you're a skilled position, so obviously you don't want this like clunky brace, you know, right. slowing you down. So like, do do they say that it helps a lot and like you you won't tear your ACL again if you wear this, but mm-hmm. it'll slow you down? Like what would they tell you? Yeah, so the the brace is supposed to prevent that type of injury again, um, and you're and you're supposed to wear the doctor before the um, until the doctor clears you from it. You're supposed to wear, uh, I believe it was up to the six month um, period, and then after that you go into a sleeve. And the sleeve, now the sleeve isn't as protective as the brace, but the sleeve you can move a little better. The brace, yeah, it is bulky though. It is bulky, but um, you just have to get past that mental block and just stop thinking about it and just play. All right. It's got to be tough, though, with that. Yeah. Definitely, I'm sure you felt it the whole time, you know. Yeah, you feel it. But as you go throughout practice, you start to get used to it. But you you know what's crazy is once I got into the sleeve, then I started like, oh, God, I, now I got to I gotta trust my knee without the brace now. And then once I got out of the sleeve, which I was, which was my goal, and I was cleared to do it. You're like, I'm naked. What the I'm hell? Like, I'm naked. Like, I felt <laughs> naked. I'm like, I got to trust it without anything anymore. And yeah, so I got back to that point, which is good. All right. So let's take us to ACL injury number two. All right. Yeah, so 
uh, the year after ACL, tier number one, I played. I was fine. Now I was just strictly a receiver. I didn't really play play running back a little bit, but not not a lot. And then uh, ACL number two came probably at the worst time it could have came, but it was still a blessing in some way. Um, so this was season five. So I Same got, knee? Other no, it was, knee? it was the other knee. This was season five. And um, it's when I got switched over to play corner. And the first game we played – uh, we went out, I forget what team, Texas and North Carolina, so some D2 school. But um, I went out, played really well, felt really good, felt fast. Like I felt good at the new position. Um, and I played well enough to where the next practice, so we played Thursday, but we didn't practice again until Sunday. So that next practice on Sunday, Coach Chiano, he moved me to being a starter. And, um, and this was in a group of highly – like skilled DBs that are that are still. Who were you playing with? I was, like so, I played with Logan Ryan, yeah, Marcus he, Cooper, Brandon. Yeah, these Jones. guys are all in the NFL. Is Brandon right. Jones still in the NFL? No, I don't think so. Okay, I don't think so. But I know Cooper. He just signed with. Uh, yeah, he had himself an interception recently. Well, pick I think. six. Yeah, yeah. 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 I forget I what team, but Logan Ryan's on the Patriots. Logan's on the Patriots. He leads the team every year with interceptions. He guards the best receiver. Deron Harmon's on the uh, Patriots. Um, so it was a it was a talented um, yeah talented crew that you second you day. earned a, a a starting spot there a starting spot absolutely and um, I was excited I was ready for it I knew I was ready I knew my stuff I studied the film um, in that same practice I was running around a routine coverage I was actually uh, guarding um, Brandon Coleman uh, who was playing with the Saints and it wasn't it was a it was root it was a routine cut it was a routine cut it wasn't like he put on any special type of move or anything like that. He didn't shake me or anything. But it was a routine cut that I broke on really well all season and or all like off season and even in the season. And my knee buckled again. I tried to go one way, my knee kept going the other way. And this time I dropped. This time it wasn't like uh I can run you it can, off. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt it, different? It was different. This one was really different. I did more damage in this one. Um and I jogged off the field, because I, I don't like people seeing me in pain, period. I don't like I don't like it. So I jogged off the field, and then eventually, um, once I got to the side of the field, I knew something was wrong. I was just hoping and, play, and praying that it wasn't the worst. Put an ice pack on it and just prayed that I'd be ready by Saturday because now like, I earned a starting spot, yeah. which would be the first time really in my, in my Rutgers career. So I was excited, and then it kind of – then I went and got the MRI and another torn ACL and – so, so what were you thinking at this point in time? Like, obviously, your your dream, you know, was right there in front of you. Mm-hmm. you know, what you worked hard for for five years at that point, right? Yeah. So, what were you thinking? Um, some questions came back, um, but I still tried to keep myself in a positive state. I didn't slip into that dark that dark state. This right time, at, I didn't like it. I didn't like it last time. I hated it so much that I told myself I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it this time. Um, I was gonna try. I was going to try to be the most positive person out there so nobody can complain about And you weren't faking it cuz you said last yeah, time you were faking it. Last right? time I was faking it. This time I was I was sincere. Um I I enjoyed class now. I enjoyed I enjoyed my life. So I wasn't going to allow this ACL to to hold me down. But this time um my it wasn't a question to God. It was pretty much saying I get you God. Like like one of the things I thought of was 
like God wants to see if I if this dream that I really dream about and pray about if I really really want it. How bad do you really want it? If you get knocked down twice, you're gonna keep coming back. How bad do you want it? And I told myself every time, yes, I want it, and I'm gonna keep coming back. So, um, and so same thing. It was the same goal: get my heel to my butt, keep pushing, uh, get back with with squatting, um, get my strength back in my leg, um, and. Just still had the still had the posters. Now I added a fifth post poster, All right. where like I added, I had because on the the dream poster I had a Y section like I told you about, mm-hmm. but I didn't have, I didn't have enough room to put all the Ys on there. You know, like I had my main Y's, main edition, the main edition, yes, but the other poster had the Ys. Okay, and um, and. The one of the main whys on the the new poster was to change somebody's life for the better outside of myself, and um like I want people I wanted people to look at me and say yo Mason can do it I can do it too like and I can be better um like I can overcome whatever I'm going through I can overcome this too like this can't hold me down nothing can hold me down um as long as I still as long as my I still have breath in my lungs and my heart still beating nothing can hold me down um and I don't know. I don't want to skip around on your questions, but no. like when I came back, that kind of I attacked the game differently because now I wasn't a corner. Coach Shiano wasn't there anymore. as a new coaching, new new coaching staff, and I got moved to safety. I didn't have I didn't even have a chance to battle for that cornerback spot again, and that's what hurt more than anything is that they didn't even give me an opportunity. To right, they saw you were hurt second time. Like, all right, we're just gonna. I was damaged goods. I even had a coach tell me. Um, we were watching film, and the, and the guy broke out on film. And this was at a time when I was injured. A guy broke out from the other team. And the coach was saying how fast he was. And I told him, Coach, I can go catch him. I can go get him. And then the coach looked back, to, looked, looked back at me and said, you, told, you, you got ACL tear. You ain't catching nobody like that. You don't got that speed anymore. So what would you feel when, when he said that? When he, when he said that, he said that to the wrong person. He said that to the wrong person because – you don't know what type of fight I got in me. You don't. I, I serve. I serve God. I don't serve you. You know, like that was my. That. I ain't. This an injury, bro. I wiped this off. The scars. I can wipe these scars off. I'm fine. But don't ever tell me what I can't do, because yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna make sure that I show you. I'm gonna make sure that I do it just to show you and yeah. just to prove to you that I can do it. I think Greg Jennings once said, and I forget what it was, like commercial or something. It's like, tell me I can't, and you just lost or something. Absolutely, like, yeah. absolutely. I love that. Yeah, quote. I love that too. You, you, you lost. The moment yeah. you tell me I can't do something, you lost. And um, obviously, after tearing both ACLs and and not, and the craziest thing, like I told you, going back to my high school story, I was a third string running back when I got my first scholarship. My last year in college, and I told you, like I played in the NFL and I was a captain. Right. Like, my last year in college, I was a four-string safety. As in, you were a captain. And I was a captain. I mean, just by listening to, you know, listening to you during this mm-hmm. interview, like, I 100% get it. Like, mm-hmm. you're incredible, man. I, I Your story is awesome. Like, I've, I got chills just, like, thinking about it, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, that, um, that, that's just my message to every kid. Everybody going out there, whether you're going for an office job or you're going for a job and you just don't know. You don't know how it's going to happen. Sometimes you just got to jump and pray to God that you grow wings in the process. But um, how I got to the NFL, the same way I, how I got my scholarships to go to college. Um, when I wasn't playing, when they weren't, I was a four-string safety, when they weren't starting me or giving me an opportunity. And I came in in big games and made big plays, but they still didn't give me an opportunity to come back the next game and play. I, I would be up 3 o'clock in the morning the day after a game 
and out sprinting hills by myself in the dark. Damn, dude. Um, I would, I would after every single practice, I would be out there at least at least 15 minutes, no less than 15 minutes, um, before a game because I was still a punt returner. So before the game, I would have uh, the punter stay after, like a backup punter. I would have him stay after. And, and kick have, extra punts. Just kick extra punts. And I couldn't leave the field until I caught five perfect punts in a row. If I caught four and then the other one, I caught it too high or caught it too low, we had to start. I had to start over from the beginning. And it sounds easier to, than it is. Not easy. But yeah, it's not easy. Catching punts is one of the hardest things to do in football. Absolutely. And in, in the off season, I, I caught a hundred punts a day. So like the coach that didn't wasn't trying to give me the opportunity um, to show what I can do at safety. I'm, I was working on my safety stuff or even the corner stuff all off season, even while I was recovering, um, catching punts, even while I was recovering. In the summertime, so I felt like I kind of got so short. But either way, like I was still grinding. And what it did in turn was I think that's where my leadership showed because um, when I stayed 15 minutes after practice, then all of a sudden after a while, another kid will stay 15 minutes after practice. And then a few other players will start staying 15 minutes after practice. Yeah, you see Mason doing it. Exactly. And I don't like me personally, I don't even want the credit for, for starting now. Like I don't even – I could care less about getting any type of credit. I just want to win. I just want to be the best I can be. I want to say that I gave myself the best chance right. to, to achieve my goals. And um, then this whole secondary started staying after. And then before you know it, the whole secondary and the receiving core stayed after. And then the linemen stayed out there. And, and you had it was like a, it was like a second practice after practice. And the only guys that really left were guys that had to get to class, class or something. Yeah. So um, it started a chain reaction and, and – we had, I think, from that team, we had a we had a big number of players that got that went to the NFL from that senior class. We had um, we won the uh, Big East championship uh, for the first time in school history, um, and we we accomplished a lot of things that year that hadn't been done before. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, it just takes one person's reaction. How you how do you react to to adversity and your reaction can change somebody else's reaction and push somebody else. So. Whether they're going through something or not, you know. Absolutely. And yeah. and and the thing, Kev, you know, like I know you know, cause I, cause I mean, I even read about you when I was in college. And I'm like, oh damn, I didn't know you went through that with the with the head injuries and stuff. Yeah. And um, with the concussions, I'm like, I almost want to cry for you, cause I'm like, yo, you you were a guy that that looked like you were in great shape. You know, you got the body type that that can play. And I know how frustrating it could be, but I could never imagine going through what you went through. You know what I'm saying? Like, my injuries at that point, it's like, and even this is me getting inspired from your story. It's like, my injuries at that point, it's like, yo, like, I'm not going through anything. You know what I'm saying? It's just knees, bro. Yeah. Like, my knees will be okay, but when it starts dealing with your head, or when you got somebody like Eric Legrand and you paralyzed, exactly, bro, yeah. it's like, damn, I ain't I interviewed Eric a couple of months ago. Yeah. I'm going to post his, I think, the week after I post yours, so. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Thanks for reading the story and no uh, yeah, in the Daily Target. I remember they put that out about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, your your story is incredible, man. I, I appreciate you you coming on here. You want to talk about um, your kind of your transition to the NFL? So like you know you said on your dream poster, right? You wanted to get get drafted in the NFL. So that didn't quite happen. Mm-hmm. So like, what was it like when you know you weren't you weren't called in the draft, but maybe when you got that first phone call? Um, well. I, I wasn't called after the draft, and um, or not 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 called after the draft. My name wasn't called in the draft, which didn't surprise me. You're not going to be a four-string safety and get drafted. <laughs> um, and then I didn't get a call right away, but like a few minutes later down the line, I, I got a call from my agent, and he said a few teams were. He got in touch with a few of his friends from a few teams. 
just cool. And then Coach Yano, he was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he called. And I was like, I was like, great. That's like, that's what's up. Um, and he invited me down to rookie camp. So, but even prior to that, prior to the draft, I went to a, a Jets rookie day, and okay. I told myself that I'm going to lead every drill. They're not. I, I don't care. I was a four string safety. I'm going to be the most confident person here because I worked for it. So at this rookie day. Um, I was the first in line, and I stepped up. I played fast. I was quick. Um, and Rex Ryan actually pulled me out of line with the owner of the Jets at the time. And they just they loved the way I led, and they told me to keep it up. And then Damn, after, dude, how'd that feel, man? Yeah, like they just pulled me out of line in the middle of the workout. And I was like, I was walking on clouds, man. I'm like, dang, I went from not even being able to get on the field to the head coach of an NFL team. And a multi-billionaire. Right, yeah. with the owner. I'm like, golly. Um and then afterwards, like Aaron Glenn, who's a cornerback that I watched play as a kid with the Jets, uh, he he spoke to me afterwards. He said, man, we really like how you look, man. You look really good. And um, just stay in shape. Make sure you stay in shape. And I was like, man, I got you, bro. Like, yeah. But the hair coming from him, like, I'm not sure if he's in the Hall of Fame, but when I watch him play, he should be in the Hall of Fame if he's not. Um, and it, that just made me feel good from that day. But going up to the draft day, I got the call from the Bucks. They invited me down to their uh, rookie mini camp, and then the next week, or then that same night, or maybe a day later, the Jets called and they invited me to their rookie mini camp. And they have they the Bucks they were on the first week of uh, mini camps, and then um, Jets was on the second week of rookie mini camps. And my preparation, because um, I knew I was going down to Tampa and Jersey at the time, it was March, April. It was April because the draft and our weather here is pretty cool it's like cold but down in Tampa yeah, it's hot I wanted to be prepared for the heat so the things I was I was doing I was wearing long sleeves I was wearing sweaters um I, could, I was trying to make myself as hot as I could make myself like I did I did boxing and sparring sessions um some pad work some glove work um I did that in a sauna so I was doing that in a sauna, man, Jeez, trying to get dude. myself ready with a with a with a sweater on. He acclimatization has finest, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I did that with a sweater on. Um and I'm talking about drenched in drenched in sweat. Drenched in it. And it just kept like I was working out I was working out at least five times a day. Um, lifting, running, um, working on my uh working on like my uh, D B skills doing some boxing training and any extra training that I wanted to do. Um, and so I was working out at least five times a day. And then when I went down to, to Tampa, and I watched film as well at that time too, and I went when, so I could see, so I could know what to expect. But then when I went down to Tampa, I was just super prepared. I just felt so prepared. I felt like this is a second chance right. at playing football. Like I felt like the six years at Rutgers were like really, really good, but I never got an opportunity to show people what I could really, really do. So when I got this opportunity with um uh down with the with the Bucks, um the first day, it's like a fill out. But you're down there with guys from Georgia, down there with their draft picks from Texas. Who've lived in down, the heat their whole right? life, yeah. And um never mind the heat, but they, they they're getting all the notoriety. They had start they have starting experience in college division one football. Right, so they're right. prepared for this step. They've they've played, they're from the big schools. They're from even like the smaller but but really prestigious schools like Boise State. They're um Tennessee, uh different schools like the big schools and i'm like little old ruckers kid yeah four stringer um that doesn't really get 
Rutgers doesn't really get national. So did you, were you, did you lose a little confidence in yourself? Or did you second guess yourself? Excuse or? my I'm, French. Hell no. Yeah, I'm guessing no. I guess. Based off of the rest of this interview, but <laughs> I got I, I got even more confidence. I got even more confidence because now I got an opportunity to line up against those guys or side by side with those guys that got all this hype, and now I get to show them y'all ain't as good as y'all think, man. I'm better than you. I'm plain and simple. I'm a competitor. At the end of the day, I'm a competitor, and if you step on the same field as me, I'm trying to eat you alive. Period. And um. I'm, and I'm going to find a way to do it. It may not be pretty. It may not look pretty, but I'm going to get the job done. Awesome. And um, we had doubles. Uh, the first the first practice, uh, didn't really do anything crazy. Um, the second practice, did a lot better. The first one, was, I felt it out. The second one, uh, I, I did a lot better. Then the second day, the first practice, we did one-on-ones. And this that flow I'm talking about, that being locked in. I can't tell you what playlist I listen to. It wasn't a playlist. It was just I went back. I, had, I was on my when I went back to my room that night before. I was on my iPad just watching it, just watching the film, um, and, and slowing the game down for myself. And I told my I'm like, man, look, man. And I brought myself back to that dream poster, and thought about the wise. And I just I'm gonna eat them up tomorrow. Tomorrow. That's it. I don't care. Like they could put anybody on that field. It don't matter. They can put somebody that runs a four three four two. I don't care, man. I'm eating them alive. Right. And um. We did one on ones, and from the first from the first one on one, I broke on this play so well. If the quarterback threw a perfect ball, it was an interception, but he threw it out of bounds, which is cool. <laughs> the the second one, he threw an interception. The third play, um, they ran another route. It was an interception. The fourth play, at this point, because I studied the film, I was calling out their routes. Now I was calling you out those, based on their splits. I was calling out their routes, and I was actually being nice to the other guys because I was calling out the receiver route for the other guys too. And um, I knew the guy was running the dig. And I, so I lined up inside. He ran a dig. Uh, we broke on it, and I took the ball like he. We were fighting for the ball. I took the ball right out of his hands. Another interception. And then the last one, the dude tried to double move me, and um, and he didn't go anywhere, and he overthrew it. And at that, after that, um, I didn't know about this, but they told me later. Like the offensive coordinator, he was asking, "Yo, who is this kid? Who is this kid?" And um. And uh, Sean was like, "I recruited this kid." <laughs> yeah, she. I, uh, I'm trying to remember her name. Um, dang, it, it slipped my mind right now because I'm on I'm on the uh, spot right now. But um, um, Jason Garrett said the the coach of the Cowboys. I'm trying to think of the, his brother, Garrett John John Garrett. Yes. Okay. John recruited me when I uh, in high school to Virginia. He was a recruiter at Virginia. Gotcha. And now he was the receivers coach for for the Bucks, and. After practice was done, like, John pulled me out of line. and he was, Or not out of line because practice was done. But John pulled me to the side, and he said, man, like, I followed you throughout. Like, I followed your college career. Like, like yo, you have an impressive story. You need to write a book. You need to write your story. Yeah, man. And um, this is coming from a, a college coach. And I, once he told me he recruited me at Virginia, like, I remembered who he was. And this is Jason Garrett's brother. And I told you, as a kid, I was a, I was a Cowboys fan. So I'm like, wow, like. This is huge right here. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It was, and that was a great feeling. And so much so, I didn't read this until I got back home. My mom showed me when I got back home um, that the the Tampa Bay newspaper, they did a write-up about me from that practice. Oh, seriously? Yeah. I, I posted it to my Instagram. Because you killed it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was, it, was a great, it was a great experience. And then... Then let's get to when you picked off uh, my boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
they didn't keep me. The the Bucks they didn't keep me at, okay. um after that rookie mini camp. I was pissed. Whatever. After um, you killed it, that's yeah, messed up. They yeah. didn't keep me. Um then I went to the Jets rookie mini camp. Um Rex Ryan, he's after the first practice he had had a interview on ESPN and, and he spoke about me on ESPN, which like he only spoke about two players and I was one of them. Four string kid from Rutgers. Like yeah. I'm like wow. And uh they they didn't keep me afterwards, but the scout, the head scout from the Jets, went down to Tampa, and Coach Shano called me. I missed his call. I'm like trying to call him back, trying to call him back. I thought he was going to bring me back down. And once I got in touch with him, he said, "I don't want you to think we were going to bring you back down. I just wanted to see how you were doing and how your family was." Uh, and I didn't say this to Coach. I'm like, man, don't, that's man, messed come up. Come on, yeah. man. I was you could have texted my, me or something. Exactly. <laughs> you could text me that. Um, but, yeah, the, the the scout that was with the Jets went down to Tampa, and then he was the one that bought me back down to Tampa. Okay. And then um, that when we practiced against the Patriots, we went up to Foxborough to practice against the Patriots, and I was just, again, studying the film, just studying the film and finding a way to put myself in the right position. Like, I, I even picked up on, on how the Patriots tight ends run their routes because the Patriots run their offense usually through their tight ends. Right. Like, Aaron Hernandez, he just got in trouble, so it was a new tight end, but they're still going to run it through their tight ends. And Gronkowski, like, that's their guy. So I just studied their tight ends, and I and I knew what they were going to do. I'm not going to share it here, um, but I knew what they were going to do. Every snap, I know I know what type of routes they're going to run because I studied it. And you should be like a consultant or something. Yeah, no, but um, Film I, breakdown consultant. I was just on point, man. I, I don't think there was anybody I could have touched me with the film study at the time. But yeah. um, then I guess I was just in the right place at the right time. I was just reading Tim's eyes when we were playing it, when we got into the game. Picked off Tim Tebow. Yeah, and He's he, my favorite. <laughs> he overthrew. He just, he just hit the home run, too, first pitch. Yeah. Nice, Tim. But um, he overthrew his receiver, and then I, I picked it off. And um, what's crazy is I didn't even know it was Tim Tebow at the time. Oh, really? When I was on the field, man, I tell you um, – Locked in. I was so locked in. I didn't look at players. I told myself I wasn't gonna get starstruck with any of the players. Funny story, real quick. <laughs> I told myself I wasn't gonna get starstruck. So, like, you make somebody bigger than life yeah. and put them on a level above you when yeah, you call them by their, right when you call them by their full name. So right. it was never Tim Tebow. It was Timothy to me or Tim. Yeah. It was never Darrell Revis, but it was Reeve or D. Okay. It would have never been Michael Jordan if I had I met. Had I been playing alongside Michael Jordan, it would have never been Michael Jordan. It would have just been Mike. Right. I don't know. Cause so I, that's, what you, that's, that's I, how you made it in your head to right. less put, overwhelming? I put everybody on the same level as me, period. Or I put myself on their level, period. Because um, I told myself, I played against all these kids in Pop Warner. I played against all these guys in Pop Warner. Even though I may not have been on the same field as them, like, come on, these guys is peers. They're not, like, yeah. gods. Exactly. Um, but I'll tell you what, though. I was walking up the stairs to go to practice uh, for the – to practice against the Patriots, and right in front of me, like closer than how how we are right now, so it was like arms reach away, was number twelve from the Patriots. Yeah, there's no way you can't be starstruck when you see that guy. I wonder. I told myself, I'm like, yo, nobody's gonna believe this. Nobody <laughs> back at home is gonna believe this. And I wanted to say something. I wanted to say something, bro. My mouth opened. I couldn't say a word. I was just like, <laughs> I was like, man, that's yo, that's Tom Brady, Brady right yeah. there. And um. Because I was a Michigan fan as a kid, so I remember watching him and watching uh, him get his uh, spot taken away. But, um, yeah, the, the the feeling against Tebow, though, that was a surreal feeling, though. That oh, was awesome, dude. Yeah. How you doing on time? I'm good. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, 
All right, so eventually, obviously, you got cut from the team, right? Mm-hmm. So what was your transition to life after football like? Like, what'd you, what was your next step? You get cut, and then what do you do? I kept fighting for it. I wanted to keep fighting for football. I didn't um, – they were bringing me in. People wanted to hire me to be, like, a financial advisor and all the stuff that I went to the college for. Um, and I was going to these meetings, and I kept asking them, um, what are the hours like? Would I be able to work out? <laughs> Period. Yeah, that, yeah. That's pretty much it. Like, will I be able to still pursue my dream? My dream wasn't to – I could be a financial advisor for the rest of my life. My At this time, I'm not trying to be a financial advisor. Um, like, I had a master's degree, so I could have got a pretty good job for decent money – or not decent, but, but good money for the first year. But, um, bro, I told you, like, I sacrificed a lot so I could still live that dream. So I passed up on those those job opportunities. And to pay my bills, I actually started doing temp work. And I was like, man, like, I was just picking off Tim Tebow, just playing against guys like Tom Brady, and now I'm vacuuming floors. And it was – I had to put my ego to the side. If I really wanted to still be able to train the way I wanted to train, I had to put my ego to the side. I felt like um, – and I had to swallow my pride and, and just – make sure I made enough money to keep a roof over my head because going back home to mom, to mom's house was not an option for me. Right. I'm, I'm too much of a fighter, um, even though I love my mom. Um, but I just, I had to make ends meet. I had to eat. Um, so, and I knew how to, I knew how to live on a budget. I was a college student. So exactly. I was eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Cereal became breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, wasn't looking for any gourmet meals or anything like that. Wasn't worried about going out to eat. Wasn't really worried about going out and partying. And all my friends, they were like, yo, man, why you don't make sure you don't never come out to party? You don't never come out to party. And then I'm like, dang, yo, am I boring like that? Am I that boring type of person? <laughs> and then I started thinking, like, yo, all my friends live at home with their parents. They don't got to pay rent like right. I do. So I can't live the same type of life they live. So I had to start separating myself from them. And did I lose friends? We're still friends, but we're not friends on that same level. Like, right. I you don't this, go out with them and stuff. Exactly. Too. So then I... So then, and I never, I never want to be a trainer. I never, but here's my competitive side coming in. So for my first ever client was for free. I just wanted to help. I loved helping people. So I just wanted to help her. Right. And then I saw that she wasn't, she wasn't sold on it. She wasn't um, eating what she needed to eat. She wasn't doing anything on her own. And I felt like I was wasting my time. And then other people started inquiring about it. And I said, you know what? Sure. I'll help you. Um, and they were like, how much? Uh, $10. <laughs> $10 a session. And I actually went to a gym to get certified. Or not to get certified. I went to a gym to to get a job at a gym. And they told me that I have to get certified. Like, I couldn't work there. Because I, I watched the other trainer. I'm like, yo, these trainers are getting paid money. And I'm looking at their technique. Like, what that the hell are they doing? That they're training people with. And I'm like, yo, they're not even teaching the right technique. Yeah. So I said, man, how much you you guys hiring trainers here? And they said I couldn't be a trainer because I didn't have I, – I wasn't certified. Right. I'm like, yo, I played Division One football, football and yeah. in the NFL. I know more than all of you combined. Right. <laughs> but I said, you I know – I rehab from two ACL injuries. Exactly. So I know how to get people back, and I know how to help people with their fitness. Right. Um, so I'm like, really? I'm like, you know what? Fine, then. I'm going to start my own thing. And that's how I always thought. Um, I'm going to start my own business. Like, even – don't tell Shiano this <laughs> – but um, even when I was in meetings, I was always writing up business plans. I was I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I'll like in meetings when maybe they weren't coaching my position or something, or like it, if they were going over repetitive stuff, I would start 
jotting down ideas, jotting down ideas for my business, the type of clothing I I wanted to do. Um, even was funny. Um, every female that I was friends with on Facebook, I actually sent her. I actually sent every single female questions on what type of clothing they like. Okay. On on their favorite brand, where they like to shop, what type of um, what type of uh, uh material, material they like yeah. to to put on, and. I did that with every single girl, uh, like, and I had thousands and thousands of friends. Even if I didn't know them, young, old, didn't matter. I asked all of them because I wanted all, all opinions and mm-hmm. wanted to see what was common between all of them. And um, that was just me. Like, I wasn't gonna be outworked. Nobody was gonna outwork me. And I knew that I wasn't gonna start a clothing business at that point because I didn't have the resources. And and um, but now that I do, it's like now I have. I can go back and look. The material don't change. Right. You know I mean, and all you got to do is see the fads that's going on, but people still like certain materials. And even if they moved on from that material, there's still a large group. Right. It'll be a different cut or a different whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I've done that work and I, and I documented all of it. I put it in a spreadsheet and documented all of it. So now like, and this was back when I was still 20 years old, 21 years old. So now like just going back and looking at that and now I know how to pick the clothing to, to, to send out to people to, to start. And right. then at that point, you build on it. And um, so I knew I wanted to start a business. So I figured, why not do something I enjoy doing? So I did training. And the craziest thing, how I got, how I feel like I got my edge and got faster is every single client that wanted to train, um, whether it was speed and agility or fitness, I worked out with every single person. So it wasn't like, all right, if I had, if I had 10 sessions in a day, for an hour each, you would I, work out for. 10 I worked hours. out ten times. It wasn't like oh, I would do nine or I'd do two, and then I worked out ten times. Period. That's like, incredible. Dude. And I've done that every single day since. And I think, like, that's why I think business goes well. Like it, it's going well because I don't I don't shortcut people. I don't like being shortcut, and I don't like, and and a lot of times these people have heard everything that they can't do, and I want to show them what they can do. Period. So, I mean, they have a great role model for sure. I feel like. I should be paying you for <laughs> for telling yeah. your story. Um, that's awesome, man. So where'd you like come up with the name? You know, shock the world and and stuff like that. Um, so shock the world came from when I was at Rutgers uh, the last year. We we kept saying we we're gonna shock the world because everybody nobody thinks of Rutgers as any type of powerhouse. Um, and we started off undefeated. We um and we took we said we wanted to be Big East champions, um, which I think we should have took it a step farther and said we want to be national champions, but. Winning breeds that, though. Like, when you come into your locker room or you go in and you have banners of national championships, like, if you're Alabama, you don't think you don't think about your conference championship. Like, the conference championship just happens because you, you're, you're, you're national champion, so you think national championship. Yeah. We don't, Rutgers, we didn't even have a, a conference championship. So, like, let's like, – Baby steps for Exactly. <laughs> like, we're trying to conquer that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that's a different argument. But um, the shock the world thing just came from – who better than me, especially with my story? Like, you come back from two ACL surgeries and and accomplish the things you did. Um, another injury that uh, we didn't even cover was after I was out of college, I was being dumb. My mom told me not to do it, but I still did it anyway, and I played backyard football. Got wrapped up, and I broke my ankle. Um, I, after I got tackled, I felt a crack, but I didn't think it was anything serious. I tried to get up and walk. And my um, I felt a whole bunch of electricity go through my leg. It felt like electricity, if you can feel it. Yeah. And um, I looked down, and my ankle was facing sideways, like not like on a slight angle. No, it was sideways. Period. I sat down, popped it back into place. I got help off. Dude, I got, you're a freaking animal, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I got help up, 
I walked I walked to my car. My friend drove me to the hospital. Then they wrapped my foot up, and I drove ever since. I I got surgery on December tenth. By December eleventh, I was back out working out again. Still working out with every single client. I never miss a day. I jump roping. I do all single leg squats on the other leg, doing everything that I can control. Um, shoulder press. I carry all my equipment. Even while I was on crutches, I would carry my equipment to where we needed to go. I wasn't gonna be stopped, man. That's just my mentality. Dude, you're making me feel like a freaking <laughs> sissy. Nah, I had knee surgery back in uh, January, not for ACL or anything. Mm. But I was like non-weight bearing for a while, and mm. like I make excuses for myself all the time. Yeah. But it's like even with the ACL surgeries, I told the doctors I'm gonna walk out of this, and they didn't believe it. And I started walking, forget it. But I use the crutches. I want to be smart. Right. Um, and what else? The, um. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome, dude. Yeah. Um, all right. A couple questions but just to, to finish up. That's fine. I was going to ask, you know, like, what advice do you have for kids who tear their ACL? But I'm like, just listen to this freaking episode and you know exactly what you need to do to get right. back. Um, let's talk about, like, concussion stuff because my po- podcast name is Heads and Tails. Mm-hmm. I obviously suffer a traumatic brain injury playing football. Did you ever suffer any concussions or, like, knowing what you know now, what a concussion is, like, you know, during your career? Kev. I believe I did and never never knew what was going on because yeah. I always had the mentality, no, you don't you don't show softness, like you just go, like just go. Right. I remember being in a high school game, um, and my head going straight into the ground and I got up and I started seeing like like what they to give you a um description is like what they show in commercials or a movie or a show of a fly and the vision that a fly has, that's yeah. that's how I started seeing. And oh I told my myself, God. I'm like, I just kept blinking as hard as I could. I just kept blinking as hard as I could. And uh, the next play, like, the next play played, the guy ran up the middle, and the the rest of the team tackled him. But I'm just, like, I'm just out there. I'm like, yo, come on, like, trying to snap back. And um, and then all of a sudden, like, my vision, like, it cleared up a little bit, and I was able to see, but I was still seeing double. I wasn't seeing, like, triple or quadruple. Or what you were seeing. Yeah. Right, now I'm seeing – I was only seeing double at this point, so – and I finished the game, and I had blurry vision. Um, I've got I got hit in my eye in high school. My eye was bloodshot red. I don't know if it was a concussion at all, but I had this bad headache going on for days. Um, so after that incident with the you know quadruple vision or whatever you had going on, did you tell anyone you know that you had that injury, or did you just play the next week and you not during were luckier game. than me? <laughs> not during that game. Because I, um, I was so afraid that they were going to take me out and not let me go back in. Right. So – um, what would you say to a kid who come out, come to, out, yeah. man, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Cause things can happen so much worse. Had they, had they ran a play at me, had they known I was someone's cause I didn't try, right. I tried not to show my body language, right. but had they known something was bothering me and that team ran at me and they hit me in the head again, who knows what could have happened that. And not only that, but you probably would have missed the tackle and they would have scored a touchdown. So like, right. you're only going to hurt yourself and your team your by team. staying in just like, yeah, just get out. Absolutely. And, and, and a lot of times, Kev, too, is like when you're going through some type of pain or you're going through something that's off, yeah. you overcompensate. So who knows? Like I could have dipped my head too low and made it even worse. Exactly. I could have done so. Um, I would just tell a kid, man, live to fight another day. Right. You know what I'm saying? Just live to fight another day and understand that football, the NFL stands for not for long, period. No matter how good you are, how fast you run, it's not going to last for long. And the biggest thing that you need to understand when it comes to a sport is once you're done playing that sport, people, you, 
People don't care what you got to go through. People don't care that I wake up and my knees are sore. People don't care that I wake up and my ankles sore. They don't care that. I care, Mason. Right. I mean, you care, but <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm just saying, like, because nobody stops and thinks, yo, damn, I wonder how his knees are feeling today. Like, yeah, nobody's no. going to do it, and you're not going to complain about it. Just so. like you said, this text message stopped coming in, this and that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, man, like, don't don't worry about proving proving it to people. Like, people are going to know when you come back. Like right. You're you're gonna be able to come back, and if you're if you're unable to come back, that's why you gotta live by the adage, man. Play every play as if it's your last, because it could be your last, man. And and that's why I feel like I have peace of mind, because I gave it everything I had from the film, from the training, from all the stuff I put in. That's why I have peace of mind. Would I still love to go back and play football? Absolutely, but. If it never happened again, I still got a peace of mind. Like, yo, I did it. You busted and I your did ass. You tried, yeah. Exactly. There's no regrets. So. Awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Last question. What's your personal definition of perseverance? Like, not like Webster's Dictionary, like Mason Robinson <laughs> definition of perseverance. Um, There's a few that, that come to mind. I never really sat down and how about, how about thought this? about it. How about if you can make a dream poster mm-hmm. for the word perseverance, what would be on your dream poster? Um, so I'll put who I'll put me again. Okay. Um, I'll put what, and it's overcome anything that, that can be thrown at you. Um, um, the why is because you can't knock me down and keep me down forever. I'm going to find a way to get up. Okay. Period. So whatever I go through, I'm going to be able to, to get up from it. How is my work ethic, my mentality, um, the way I, the way I, uh, push myself, the way I think, perseverance can never hold me down i'm gonna find a way to win that's i only know how to win i don't i don't know how to lose and stay a loser i can't be a loser man i don't want to be a loser so i'm gonna find a way to win period um where i mean i mean wherever wherever the, wherever yeah. the perseverance is coming from wherever your heart's beating exactly yeah. I'm, I'm gonna handle it man like as long as my heart's beating like i said before as long as my heart's beating and i have breath in my lungs I'm going to handle the situation. The perseverance, I can overcome this. Small, Like T.I. said something in the song, and it says, small thing to a giant, I can overcome this, period. So Awesome, man. Um, well, Mason, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. This was like definitely one of my favorite interviews for sure. Yeah. You're an incredible leader. You're, you got an inspiring story. And those kids that you train every day are freaking lucky to have you, man. They, that You're an incredible role model for them. Uh, I got chills, man, just like <laughs> thinking about this episode. Yeah. Um, Thank you for this opportunity, Kev. Yeah, man. I wanted to share something also that you could possibly use. Um, another thing that I left out before that for every kid, and this is for, for kids and, and people of any position in life to be versatile and to be prepared for anything. Like, I hear a lot of kids today, and this is one thing now I want to share with kids. I hear a lot of kids today say, um, oh, I only play running back. I don't really play linebacker, or I don't really play receiver. I only play quarterback. I don't play tight end. I don't play anything. When you go to college, like you know, your position can change. And the biggest thing that I'm proud of with sports is that at every single level, I've played on all three sides of the ball, um, in one, in the same game. So in high school, I played special teams, offense, defense. In college, I played special teams, offense, defense, same game. And then in the NFL, I played special teams, offense, defense. But how do you look? How would I have looked saying to Rex Ryan or saying to Greg Schiano while I'm in the NFL and I'm trying to make a roster spot and they come to me and, and I came in as a defensive back and they come to me and ask me, Mace, we need you to play some receiver. And I say, no, I don't play receiver. 
sounds stupid. Yeah. No. So I prepared myself to play receiver, and I actually lined up against guys like Darrell Revis and, and really did well against them. I actually posted a video on my Instagram as well of that video. But that's just being prepared. I against the Redskins, played running back and defensive back in the same game. Um, and you just – you got to find a way, man. You got to find – just work on your craft. Stop worrying about what everybody – all the fad workouts are on – Instagram and all the other stuff and work on your craft hone in on the basics and get that right man it looks stupid you doing all this crazy footwork but you can't even come off the ball the right way it right. looks stupid that you're doing all this crazy footwork but you don't even understand what's going so on understand the game yeah obviously right. you're a student of the game and right. you got the speed to go with it you need you need both to make right. it to the highest levels um uh, where, where can people find you like Instagram website stuff like that um so my website is shocktheworldpro.com my Instagram is shock underscore the underscore world um on Facebook it's Mason Robinson uh, shock the world business page um I don't have a Twitter <laughs> um I think where else yeah, they can find all me right. on YouTube. Yeah, I'll, I'll link it all up in the show notes so people yeah. can find you there. On YouTube, hashtag Shock the World and Mason Robinson. And, yeah. Awesome, dude. 